The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is BizBuzz with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in industry and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to BizBuzz with Game Changers. If you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's Buzz HCM, you know, human capital management. Let's talk about the top tech trends today. You're familiar with them by now. Social media, analytics, cloud mobility, guess what? They are transforming the entire HR function, and they're impacting how businesses of all sizes manage their human capital. I'm talking to you. You hire people, this means you. So I have a question. Is your company resisting these changes, or, and I hope you'll answer on the other side, are you embracing new best practices to ensure your HR success? I have a panel of experts who are going to talk to us on this topic. Listen and learn. First up on the panel, I'm pleased to introduce Paul Kana. He is Deloitte's Solution and Innovations Practice Global Lead for SAP Success Factors. And Paul sent me the following quote from none other than Muhammad Ali. I was always the greatest when I was fighting for something. And I think the key word is something. Paul Kana, welcome to BizBuzz. How are you today? Great. Thanks, Bonnie. Thanks for joining me. So you picked Muhammad Ali for an opening quote to lead off the show here. Why Ali? And tell me how this has to relate to our top tech trends impacting HR today. Go ahead, Paul. Well, you know, I deal with a lot of change uh, with a lot of organizations that are looking to adapt new technologies. And, you know, when you go into these organizations, some of these guys are marred in years of process, doing things that they don't actually know why they're doing them, and change is really hard. And, you know, when I think about Muhammad Ali and, and the type of adversity he faced um, and this quote, you know, I always look at what motivates people to, to really change, to go up against obstacles that just seem so impossible, and how do you get past them? And, uh, you know, that quote is very true to me because when I meet people who are very passionate and who are very, um, you know, in tune with what they're trying to accomplish, um, when I see that, you know, great things happen, great changes happen. And so that always motivates me when I go into a, uh, to a client to talk about HR technology and moving off something that's, um, that seems people are so used to and going into something that's so unknown and, and having the, the courage as well as the, um, you know, the energy to, to fight those good fights. Thank you, Paul. So the implication, if I'm reading between the lines and around the lines here, is that the impact of these tech trends on HR is perhaps a brave new world and it's worth fighting for to make it happen. Is that where we're going with this? Yeah, and I think, you know, there's, there's, there's resistance to change. You know, I, I recall uh-huh. a lot of people resist technology for very different reasons. And, you know, and you're seeing that still there, but because people don't understand where it's actually going. And I think that's something that, um, you know, you know we, we need to address as business leaders. 
Good. Thank you very much. Great start to our discussion, Paul. We're going to hear a lot more from you. And now I'm going to turn to the second person on our panel who happens to be a repeat guest on Game Changers Radio. His name is Chris Dunn. He's a partner at Kinetics, K-I-N-E-T-I-X. He's also a blogger at hrcapitalist.com and fistfulloftalent.com. Great blog names. And Chris sent me a quote way back in the dark ages, I think, or they were starting to be the lightened ages in 1981 from Bill Gates. And the quote is 640K of memory should be enough for anybody. Really? Welcome, Chris Dunn. How are you today? Hey, Bonnie. I'm good. Thanks for having me on today. Delighted. Talk to me. Why did you pick the Bill Gates quote? And let's relate it to what's going on with the HR function transformation right now. Yeah, and I'll do a transition from the first quote. You know, so I, I probably follow, um, you know, I'm, I'm in the HR tech world a good bit, but I probably follow the core HR market uh, of professionals that make up, you know, kind of manager, director, VPs of HR. And, you know, that group is pretty resistant to change, um, as, as we've already outlined. And part of that is, you know, like the people who are low on the innovation side, low on, on driving change and really adding true value, they think what they have today is good enough because mm-hmm. um, the buses are running on time. But they're really not thinking about what's next, and they're really not thinking about better ways to do things. So when we see, like, you know, great HR people get placed into new roles, what, what we're finding more and more is that, you know, the marketplace really wants people that are thinking about what's next. Um, technology is certainly a part of that. And I always use the quote from Bill Gates, obviously one of the smartest guys in the room. You know, so, you know, there are, there are different interpretations of that quote, whether he meant that to be future-looking or just for that period of time in 1981. But I think when you read that quote and say, you know what, 640K of memory ought to be good enough for anybody – you know, Bill Gates can make a quote like that, understanding that we're no longer at K. You know, um, you know, we're no longer at M. We're really no longer at G. Now we're really into terabytes, and it's not mm-hmm. on a local machine. It's in the cloud. It's just like more and more what we're seeing, HR leaders have to be able to think about the future. Tech's part of that, as are a broad range of talent issues. So I love using that quote to try and think about, okay, you think what you have now is good enough in whatever area you want to talk about. It's really not. Let's start with this quote. Great. Thank you very much, Chris. Appreciate that. And we'll talk a lot more during the show about who these people are in HR. Who are the HR specialists, the executors, if you will, or maybe the executioners, uh, who are maybe resisting change and who are the ones who are going to embrace, become aware, and engage with change for the best. Let's add number three to our panel, none other than Will Staney from SAP. He's the Director of Recruiting and Strategic Programs at Success Factors of course, an SAP company. And Will sent me a long quote in his own words. Bear with me while I read it, and then Will will tell us what he meant. He says, social recruiting has been a buzzword in the recruiting world for quite some time. And Will says, I see the use of social increasing in the coming year. I think it will become easier. And looking back over his shoulder, he says, when we first started getting into social recruiting, it was overwhelming and time-consuming. All the tools that were piecemeal in the past, however, are now converging. Here's the good news, making it easier for recruiters to be social. Will Staney, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thank you. 
Good. Thanks for joining us. And let's talk about your quote. So we're seeing things are getting easier, better. They're converging. The tools are working. Talk to me about what types of social recruiting. Let's define it first, Will. Sure, yeah. I'm really talking about more proactive community building and, and using social for um, sourcing, you know, um, outbound sourcing, but also for talent attraction. And I think in some ways, yes, it, it's, it's getting easier. There's tools out there like Buffer and Suite, other tools. Um, you're seeing social being integrated in the kinds of recruiting products that are being built nowadays, you know, being built right into the ATS, right into the recruitment marketing uh, platforms and things like that. Um, so I think in some ways, you know, recruiters aren't having to have as many um, different types of social tools that they're using, and they can, you know, really manage it to where it's not taking up as much of their day, but also – um, it's getting more difficult because as, you know, as we're starting to use social more, so is everyone else. So is, um, you know, especially for the, the targeted audience where you have, you know, a, you know, almost a majority of the workforce now of that, that early talent, Gen Y, mm-hmm. Gen X generation, and they're getting right. marketed to continually on social. So to get to be seen and to increase your reach and get your, your employer brand, your culture, and your positions out there in a social platform, you kind of have to pay to play now. It's no longer free. It's no longer a new technology that, you know, you know a few companies came in and, and were really uh, innovative and, and were able to take advantage of it pretty cheaply at first. But now, now everyone's on board and doing this, so there's competition mm-hmm. for those eyeballs. Thank you, Will. I have a question for all three of my panelists before I ask you all, where are you calling from? What's the weather? Because I know you have some interesting stories. And what's in your cup today? Because we are part of the Coffee Break with Game Changers series here on BizBuzz. So my question to all four of you is, three of you, sorry. When, when I started the show, I said the top tech trends are transforming the entire HR function. And I mentioned social. I mentioned analytics. I mentioned cloud and mobility. So before we go to break and launch into the the busy part of our roundtable, I want to know what do you think is the top trend? I think I know where Will's going to come in because he's talking about social. But what is the top trend of those four, or can you prioritize which is impacting HR the most? Paul Connor from Deloitte, what do you think is the the most important or the most impactful trend of those four, please? Yeah, I think when you look at the underlying theme of all those things you just mentioned, it's really around convergence and uh, the ability for people to leverage different things, have the flexibility to apply all those different uh, technologies. And we know, just as you know, uh, we talked about earlier, uh, Chris mentioned that you know, technology is changing rapidly. What you can assume today, you can't assume tomorrow. So um, when I think about that, I think about the, the, the concept of convergence. Where, where does, what, what's the common denominator that will continue to exist? And I think we'll continue to see uh, HR technology can continue to converge, continue to um, work with uh, one another and be open in, in, in its uh, way that it, it interoperates with other applications. So I think we're going to see a lot of that happening. Thank you very much. Chris Dunn at Kinetics and HR Capitalist. What do you see in terms of those top trends? Are they equally important? Do you agree with Paul Kahn at Deloitte they are converging, or do you see a prioritization of impact? Talk to me. Well, I definitely agree with Paul that you know all those factors converge. I think it's hard to pick one. I, mean, I think just in the interest of you know comparing and contrasting, you know, for me, it, it's got to be the cloud. I, I think the accessibility that comes with the cloud is a big part of the the convergence that that Paul mentioned. So, for the for the sake of argument, and just to just to note one, 
I'll take the cloud because, you know, mm. from deployment, implementation, and just overall accessibility, it really changes the game in a variety of ways. Good. Thank you very much. And, Will Staney, I think you're going to go with social, but we'll give you a chance. I know you talked about convergence of tools, making them easier for recruiters specifically to be social. What do you think about the other three, analytics, cloud, mobility? How important are they to the transformation of HR? Will? Actually, I'm, I'm going to agree. I, I really think the convergence is where it's heading, and it really specifically um, in predictive analytics where really you're combining, you know, um, cloud, uh, you know, big data, um, even geolocation-type data, and, and, and really having all the different software um, stacks coming together and being more open. I think the days of um, HR software not communicating with other software uh, throughout the, the, the hiring and, 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 and you know, people management process um, are, are going to be over uh, very soon. And I think when you, when you start doing that, when all these different systems start talking together, you know, what, what's going on in social, but what's also going on in the hiring process, what's going on in your, even the, your product fulfillment center software, you know, that's when you start being able to get, get HR and recruiting out of this chaotic reactive environment that we're always in and more of in a proactive kind of just in time, uh, analytic, um, kind of workflow. Thank you, Will. I think it's time to get to know our panelists a little better before we go to break. We're flexible on the break, so take your time. Paul Connor, you told me before the show that you think you were born a business consultant and you started your first IT consulting business at age 16. OMG, tell us where are you calling from and what's in your cup today? What does uh, an IT genius at age 16 drink today? I don't know how old you are. Paul, talk to me. <laughs> well, you know, I'm calling you from the polar vortex of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, we are, uh, you know, still under some snow and some weird weather. So I'm uh, staying warm in my office and, uh, you know, wrapped up in a, with a warm cup of coffee. And I guess that's what's in my drink. Um, you know, I love my espresso uh, so much so um, that I have one of those older, you know, those manual espresso machines, you know, the ones, mm-hmm. right? Where you have to first grind the beans, measure, tap, monitor the bar pressure, you know, get the milk in your little steel jug. Yes, it yes, takes forever, yes. but I appreciate it more. It's a ritual, you know, but for sure, certainly not when I'm in line at Starbucks. And I want that guy to push those buttons and get me out of there as, as quick as possible. So, you know, I, I kind of, I'm, 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 maybe I'm a lot like my clients, you know, there, there's a, there's a, there's an appreciation for the ritual, but there's, there's a, there's a, an appreciation also for the technology improvements that, uh, that get you on your way. Talk about transforming the barista functionality. There we go. Thank you, Paul. Chris Dunn, partner at Kinetics and blogger at HR Capitalist. Chris, well, you're certainly a busy guy doing blogging. I understand you blog every single day for, what, six years to talk about what you're learning and what you're learning from other people and what you can share with them. So, Chris, where are you calling from? Give us a quick weather report and what's in your cup today. So, you know, Paul expects weather in Boston, so I'm calling you from Atlanta, um, home, I guess, today and tomorrow of Winter Storm Leon. I wasn't familiar they named storms that produce three to five inches of snow. But uh, uh. <laughs> anyway, we're bracing in Atlanta. You know, people in the south can't, cannot handle weather. Sounds like Will mm-hmm. had some, some weather in Austin. We're probably getting the, the remnants of that now. So calling, calling from Atlanta, those are the conditions, uh, bad conditions, and people just kind of losing their minds. But uh, in my cup right now, I got, I got Gatorade. Um, I'm done with coffee already today, so it's Gatorade Chaser. 
fun. Oh, my goodness. Thank you, Gatorade Chaser. We don't hear that too often on these shows. Appreciate that. And Will Staney, uh, where are you? You're in Austin. Tell us a little bit about your weather and tell me something interesting that you want us to know about you before you tell us what's in your cup because we've already traded some secrets with Paul and Chris. So what would you like us to know, Will? Yeah, well, I'm looking out my window in Austin, Texas, and my uh, my my home office and my street looks like that luge in the Olympics. They, you know, like it, it is completely frozen over in ice. And I don't know if you've ever been to Austin, Texas. We already don't know how to drive uh, when it rains, let alone when the uh, roads are covered mm-hmm. in ice. We're not really set up for it. In fact, uh, there was a tweet from our chief of police that I saw earlier today that said there's 40 wrecks happening every hour. Uh, at this moment in Austin, Texas. So that's why I'm working from home in my echoey home office. So I apologize if you hear any echo. No, you sound great. You sound great. So what are you drinking? Um, I am drinking a local Austin um, uh, bean from my local grocery that I absolutely love, uh, paired with uh, some nice caramel macchiato creamer. Ooh, that sounds delicious. And by the way, I don't want to break it to you. I'm here on Long Island, New York. I am in the middle of this vortex weather system. We have very little snow left. They cleared it amazingly fast last week. Everything closed down because we supposedly got 12 inches. I doubt that. But that's what they said. But I have to tell you, Will, just between us, don't tell a soul. New Yorkers don't know how to drive in the rain or snow either. But don't tell anybody because they would be very (laughs) insulted. So that's just our secret. I know nobody else is listening. Yes. So there you go. Guess what? We're going to take a break. You've all earned it. You're listening to Biz Buzz with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Our topic today is HR Tech Update, the HCM evolution. I'm speaking to Paul Kana from Deloitte, Chris Dunn at Kinetics and HR Capitalist, and Will Staney at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here with such a smart panel. Very interesting people. We have so much more coming right after the break. Don't even think of touching that dial, that mouse, that app. You know what I'm going to say. We'll be right back in about a minute and a half, so don't go away. Brad out. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. Business models have a short shelf life. Today's reality, given shifting technologies, real-time information, and collaboration across time zones, competitive advantage increasingly resides in speed to market and in the cloud. The bottom line? Technology cycles will continue to shorten, making business planning cycles less realistic and strategies less tenable. You need to become a savvy innovator who looks ahead to the next technology trend and its applications to tomorrow's business and industry strategy. BizBuzz with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Biz Buzz with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Biz Buzz with Game Changers. I just love the way that sounds, Biz Buzz, and we mean it. This is the buzz about business. I'm speaking today with Paul Kana at Deloitte. Chris Dunn at Kinetics and HR Capitalist, and Will Staney at SAP. We're talking about the HR tech 
update, HCM Evolution. Yes, you know what that is. I'm going to kick off the roundtable. We're going to put our seatbelts on and go for almost a half hour without a break. I know my panelists are ready because I know they're each drinking something great wherever they are, suffering through this winter weather together. Yes, we are. So, Paul Kana at Deloitte, let's talk about something you told me is a misnomer. And we're talking about tech impact on technology, on HR. So, obviously, somebody's got to pay for something, I think. No free lunch and all those good old sayings. So, you told me HR technology investments are a once-in-a-lifetime event. This is so not true, at least not anymore. Talk to me. How easy is it? How does tech get into HR? What's happening right now? Paul Kana. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I've been doing HR technology implementation for the last 20 years, and it always started with the same, you know, uh, concept. You know, we have a very limited budget. we got to figure out the type of technology. How do we do this? Because I'm never going to get the money again, and this has got to be something that, that lasts. It's like, like, you know, telling your kid, hey, go and, you know, go pick a car today, and it's got to last you for the next 25 years, um, because you're never going to get any money, or, or you're never going to get an opportunity to, to look at something different. And, you know, we know technology needs, um, uh, capabilities change so radically and so rapidly. And I think what we saw in the last four years was really the catalyst. And we, we mentioned earlier about, around the catalyst related to cloud and the innovations that brought, but that also brought an innovation around, you know, how a lot of these projects are funded and even how they're viewed. So when we used to say these were, you know, once in a lifetime, you're only going to get the set of money once and, you know, God forbid that you need to change out your HR technology, you know, in, in the near future because you're just not going to be able to do it. It was too hard, too expensive, and not a lot of people got a ton of value from them. So we're seeing this big shift, right, uh, because of the technology, because of cloud technologies uh, enabling these changes much more rapidly and much more discreetly. We're going to start seeing, um, you know, uh, functionality that, you know, mirrors just how you and I um, buy, buy apps, right? We're going mm-hmm. to see things that uh, people can buy discreetly, can leverage discreetly, and also get the value that they need just in time. And we haven't seen that uh, previously. So I think that's one of the things that I try to tell clients is don't get um, you know, so bogged down with picking you know, uh, you know, the car for the next 25 years. Get bogged down on what's important to you now and what are your immediate needs are going to be. And then you start really understanding what the roadmap is going to look like, what are the strategic opportunities, and how does that technology enable those things and not the other way around. And, and that I see as a, a key shift, and I think a lot of um, people on this panel would um, weigh in related to, you know, around social media, analytics, uh, performance management, um, even even things such as payroll. Uh, we're seeing things that are just traditionally just left alone, really being up for grabs related to how they're being um, being used and leveraged today. We don't complain about our apps and our iPhones being so different from each other. You know, we, mm-hmm. we go on our iPhones or our Android applications, and we accept different apps for different purposes. But it's because we're on a platform that we trust and that allows us to grow. I see HR technology moving in that same way, um, where we are going to rely, um, you know, less on the the underlying technology, but more for what you know it value provides us at that moment. Good point I, of view, Chris Dunn or or Will Staney, who wants hmm. to add on to that? Any comments yeah. for what Paul just stated? Yes, yeah, well, I was going to say I, I I agree, I, and I think another aspect of that too is because of cloud in, in the way that HR software is being delivered now, you see everybody rushing to the cloud. And there's, there's a couple of reasons for that. I think one is it's a lot faster and cheaper to implement. So 
you know, if you're and, – and, and it's constantly updated every quarter, you know. So it, it's not like you're making a huge investment on an on-premise HR solution that takes eight months to implement, sometimes a year. And then, you know, you're not going to get an update to that software for two to three years. And so it's a huge investment, and the updates are really expensive. I think that those days are kind of ending. Um, not anytime soon. You're going to have on-premises still going to linger for 10, 20 years from now. But I think you're going to see a lot more hybrid HR solutions where they're also using – cloud and where, um, you know, that investment in cloud in there's going to be a lot of different cloud providers. So you're not as, it, it, you know, like, like Paul's saying, you're not as married to your choice. And, and the good thing about cloud is it can be ripped out, pulled apart, mixed with on-premise. It can, it's more agile and it can be accessed from a browser. It doesn't have to be an, an expensive, heavy um, data center within your organization. It doesn't have to be a program on your computer. You can access it from your mobile devices, from, you know. That I think cloud is making it easier for you know HR uh, organizations to make quicker decisions with their technology and be more agile all all around in general. Thanks, you know, Will. Chris. So, an uh, interesting point, Bonnie. I just wanted to, he just reminded me of something, a, a mm-hmm. quick story I'll tell you that I also relate to some of my clients who are thinking about how to leverage cloud technologies, you know, in complicated environments. You know, I think about, and we've all been there, you know, when you're rushing to the door, you know, to catch a flight, you know, you have a choice to make, right? You can go use the online kiosk. I, um, and, you know, the online kiosk typically 80% of the time does what you need to do. It checks you in, gets your boarding pass, maybe change your seats, um, you know, look at, you know, other types of areas you could, you could pick on the plane, et cetera, et cetera. But God forbid the day where you miss your flight or you are stranded in a snowstorm, you know, that kiosk is not going to be able to do all those things that you need to do. And 20% of the time, you're grateful for, you know, Mandy or David behind the counter who is using expert transactions, slash N, you know, W2, you know, hitting F2, F5, rerouting right. through Chicago to get you home with your family in time. And I appreciate those expert transactions all the time. And I tell clients, it's like, I can't imagine a world where there isn't that balance. And the, the most common thing between those two type of transactions is the back-end layer, right? The data is in the cloud. Mm-hmm. The information is still there. It's just access two different ways and leveraging two different types of uh, expertise to get at the, same, at the same thing. And I see that's where a lot of this technology is going, where people um, look at that and say, well, you know, our, my organization is pretty complex and pretty, pretty crazy and hairy. I don't see how we would ever go to the cloud or use these type of, you know, these, these type of things. We're all about expert transactions. Um, and, and I always bring this story up to say, you know, there is a time and place, and there isn't one or the other. It's just this balance and what works for your business. In the airline business, that 80-20 is, is right on the money. In other businesses, it might be 90-10, it might be 50-50. But I think that's uh, an interesting point of view going into, you know, what do we think is going next in the, organ- in the HR world. Thank you. That was, uh, that was Paul, right? Yeah. Okay, good. I want to bring Chris in. And Chris, I want to take this in a slightly expansive direction, if you don't mind. I'm looking at some of the points you sent me before the show, and I I think this is a good segue point. So you said the biggest issue with HR tech decisions has nothing to do with the solution. The biggest problem by far is user adoption. And let me add one more statement to that, Will, uh, Chris, before you comment. With the need for user adoption in mind, HR functions will have to serve as effective marketers for the solutions they're attempting to implement in the future, and they really aren't very good at that. Talk to me, Chris Dunn. Why aren't they good at exactly what aren't they good at, and will they ever get better? 
Well, I mean, Bonnie, uh, you know, a couple of things. You know, first of all, um, you know, kind of what, what I mentioned at the start of the show, I, I think the the people who in the in the world of HR, and it includes a lot of your listeners, I think if people are, are tuned in to a show like this, they're probably skewing to, to the right side of the bell curve in terms of their ability to innovate and drive change. Um, but the wide world of HR pretty bad at marketing. And when you think about rolling out an HR tech solution, you know, I, you know, what we find like time and time again is great, great business plan. You go out, you source it, you find a great solution, fits the needs. And then, you know, kind of that, that critical moment of user adoption comes. And that's really kind of the, the holy grail for whether you really make an impact mm-hmm. with, with the solution that you bring in or not. And, too often, you know, like, you know, people like, like SAP are, are great about helping HR people do that. And clearly they've gotten better and better at it in the vendor community in terms of helping people with adoption. But at the end of the day, um, some of it still falls back on those, those HR groups to market it effectively. And a lot of times, Bonnie, they, they view everything that comes out of those systems as more transactional, even if you're upstream in an area like performance management, mm-hmm. you know, too many HR professionals still view that as a transaction that is really in line with an annual review cycle where it's kind of like, hey, let's check the box, let's make the donuts, and let's get that done. And, you know, from an adoption standpoint, that excites no one. Um, mm-hmm. So HR people have to be better marketers about all the great things that technology can do and all the ways that solutions, you know, to help their business problems are really helping them and the organizations they serve get upstream. They've got to be better at marketing that. And they really aren't very good at it. The best people are very good at it. The average HR manager, director of HR, and the people that work for them aren't nearly good enough at that. So the big winners will be people who, you know, can market effectively. And one thing I want to say with what Paul and Will said, just in terms of, you know, kind of this whole cloud versus on-premise thing and the shift we've seen, clearly everybody is rushing to the cloud, like Will said. The, the You know, the funny thing, the dirty little secret a little bit, is that, you know, really the the, the software providers want that as well because that's a form of recurring revenue. And it really smooths out their business plan quite nicely. So we'd be mm-hmm. we'd be remiss if we if we didn't say that as a uh, a big driver driving force. Now I've got an ambulance coming by me, so I'm going to mute out and let Will or Paul jump in. Okay, yeah. thanks, Chris. Will Will Staney, talk to me. What do you think about what Chris just said? Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think I think there is a responsibility on on HR organizations to get better at their internal communication and their marketing of what they're doing and their vision. But there's also responsibility on vendors and the ones that make these, this software um, to make, to really consumerize it and make it easier to use and make it seem less like a transactional database and more like a people solution, you know, you know, making it easy to use, making it mobile, making your HR software feel more like the consumer apps that you use on your phone. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I, I feel like success factors is heading there. I think there's others uh, in, in, in the industry also doing that. So that's a trend that I see on the vendor side to really help the HR practitioners make the software easier to use to make it feel less transactional and, and less, you know, boring, honestly, and make it more focused around people and more focused around ease of use and, and better UI. 
And Will, Will, this is yep. this is Chris. You know, I think kind of bringing it back to what Paul led off with. I, I think, you know, there's a bright side to like you know the adoption issue, and then the, the bright side is probably the convergence of all the factors yep. that Bonnie tried to make us choose from, right? So the fact mm-hmm. that vendors are getting better at offering mobile solutions, not just offering a mobile solution, but offering one that's easier to use, that people can use when they're in, in line at Starbucks, et cetera, et cetera kind of meeting them, how they live their, their professional lives, vendors are going to get better at that just by that convergence that we talked about at the start of the show. Exactly. Thanks. And yet, and they still have to be good marketers, too, because they still have to somehow market the importance of using this stuff, right? Because if a hiring manager isn't going in there and approving a, a rec in the ATS, that, that slows down the hiring process, right? So there's, you know, it's really, I think, both that convergence happening in the industry making the software more consumer-like and easy to use, but as well as HR practitioners learning to be better marketers of, of what they're trying to do. And this Thank Paul, you. I just wanna yeah, go ahead, mention, Paul. Sure. Yeah, I just wanted to, you know, weigh in uh, on something that you guys said. You know, I think what, one of the things that we we look at when we talk to clients in this area, we, we try to get them to define the moments that matter, right? You know, what really matters to your people, to your organization, to your culture? And defining those moments that matter really help drive, right? You know, whether it's trying to drive better, um, you know, culture in the organization, uh, you know, strategic alignment around the business objectives, what are the real moments that matter? And, you know, you know is that um, where the roadmap of that organization is going? So, for example, people might say, well, the moments that matter is, you know, for us, it's just to get people paid right. And I was like, well, you know, there's, you know, that actually has very little value, right, for, in terms of um, in terms of the actual transaction. You know, that's something that, you know, we, we do take that for granted, but it's something that doesn't actually provide a ton of value in terms of the business uh, imperatives. So, you know, challenging organizations to say, you know, what is it that really matters to the organization and to your customers? How do the, your customers interact with your products, and what do your employees need to be able to do to support those uh, type of perspectives? And I think when you challenge people around the moments that matter in their organizations, they start identifying, you know, you know, the talent issues. Uh, how do we take advantage, more advantage of, um, you know, development opportunities? Um, how do we get better connected to our to our, our our employees or to our customers? And I think that starts driving a lot of what we've seen around the techno the technical um, revolution that we've seen in HR. Two years ago, we would never be talking about social analytics or, you know, uh, social media mm-hmm. in HR. It was just something that HR just never got involved in. It was something that, you know, the, the you know, the young, the youngsters were doing, right? Blogging and social. Now it's like something like where people are saying this matters because people, um, our people represent our company and our people are out there in the social media. So therefore we need to have a social strategy as part of an HR. That those type of things that we're seeing uh, starts driving culture, starts driving changes in an organization, and it's really exciting. It is exciting. And Paul, I want to uh, move over to Will for a second here. Will, if you don't mind indulging me, I know you were quoted in an article last week in New Talent Times about your being a co-founder of a well-known Facebook group called Austin Digital <laughs> Jobs, and you had amazing success on three occasions hiring somebody. You met somebody named Lanny Rosales, who runs AGB in 2009, and together you put your heads together and you came up with this posting page on Facebook. Why don't you give us a little glimpse into this wonderful case study, Will, about how the convergence of social and HR recruiting are just coming together in a, in a sweet spot. So tell us a little bit, if you don't mind. Yeah, and it's also convergence of 
your 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 personal and business personas online too. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it is a great story. And, and the group was actually started by Lonnie, and we had all met um, through um, sort of a, a tech happy hour for people in social and, and digital. And um, you know, and then I started admitting and helping her grow it, and it kind of grew from about fifty of us. Uh, in this group, and then organically it grew from inviting friends, maybe looking for opportunities, other friends in sort of digital type prof- professions, from software developers to, you know, uh, marketers to, you know, uh, you know, anything digital related, and it grew from there. And it now it's it's over five thousand individuals, either in Austin or relocating to Austin, looking for work in some sort of digital aspect, because Austin's really becoming a big hub uh, for tech and, and, and digital careers, and so. Uh, what we started happening is it was it was like everyone was crowdsourcing their job search. Uh, you know, uh, job seekers were sharing uh, different tips. Job seekers were sharing um, positions that maybe they talked to a recruiter for, but they weren't a fit, but maybe someone else in the group were, were uh, in. Then we had, like, local recruiters like myself and others in there providing tips when candidates would ask, you know, you know, hey, can you all look at my resume and take a look at it? It became this true community of people on both sides of the hiring process and it's become, a, I think, a real phenomenon. And I think that this, these type of communities are are really existing in, in private groups and other places on social. And they can be leveraged as long as recruiters aren't in there and just poaching, but they're adding value and providing tips and sharing their jobs in, in uh, unique ways. And I was able to hire pretty much anyone who's ever worked for me on one of my teams, uh, either at VMware or since I was at Success Factors and SAP. I've hired through this group or Twitter and, and uh, you know, my uh, my community manager for Life at SAP and, and Success Factors Cruise right now came out of that group. I posted a blog uh, about it, put it in there, put a video of what it's like to work here. And and and, and within 48 hours, I had like 70 mm-hmm. candidates. <laughs> one of them came from uh, one of my old uh, professors, which was which was um, which was Sean, and I ended up hiring him. It was much quicker because it was a contract position starting out. So. I literally went from posting that job to him starting the, f- the next Monday within 48 hours. So because this is a targeted uh, community of people who all know each other, they were quickly mm-hmm. able to, to utilize their personal networks to help me find the right candidate. And it works both ways for the job seeker when they're trying to reach out and, and, and utilize their network and then for the recruiter. So it, it works in great ways. And then you've got you know things like Facebook social graph that helps reveal your personal network in a way that can benefit you professionally. Like you can do my friends who work at SAP, you know, in San Francisco, and you can find a whole list of people you didn't even know that at some point worked at SAP and may have connections that help you. You know, I, I did a search for uh, some account executives look for salespeople in San Francisco, and I talked about this in the article as well, where uh, I just did, you know, um, account executives uh, working at, you know, a competitor company in San Francisco, and the top five, ten people who I didn't know personally, but they were direct connections with really good friends of mine in Austin. Now, keep in mind, these are people in San Francisco, but mm-hmm. they were personally linked to my personal friends in Austin. So I was able to reach out to my friend Kat and go, hey, Kat, I see you know Christy. Could you introduce me? Introduce me? She's like, oh, yeah, Christy, we went to college together. I know her really well. I think she is actually looking for a job. And I said, great. She introduced me, talked to Christy, got her into the, into the hiring process. When I cold called her, and that's another thing, I think social isn't, getting us away from traditional recruiting tactics like emailing or calling on the phone, I think it's enhancing them. So now when I get on the phone mm-hmm. with a candidate, 
I know a little bit about them. I can build rapport quickly. We have mutual friends. And I use social to reveal some of these real-life connections that I didn't know just off the top of my head. Thank you, Will. And I just want to add a little bit of a stat here, a statistic to what you said. You talked about getting three new hires within 48 hours of posting in the group. The comparative number is the average time to hire from a normal, I'll use the word normal, job post to job offer is 29 days. I'm not going to do the math as far as the percent increase. I'd like Paul at Deloitte, Paul Connor, to comment on Will's story. And I'd like Chris Dunn to comment as well. And then we're going to, uh, we'll be close to our break. So go ahead gentlemen, what do you want to say about this very interesting case study about social and recruiting? Paul or yeah, Chris? I, mean, I, I, this is Paul speaking. I, I um, you know, and what, what uh, I just heard is very true to a, you know, a recent client where, you know, they were a manufacturing client and they were, they were just really frustrated with, you know, their late, um, late time that um, people would come into their facilities and start working and there was a lots of delays, et cetera. And we looked at this and one of the first things that we looked at was really t- trying to marry, um, and it was very, you know, even now I think about it, it's just very uh, forward thinking that we looked at, you know, marrying, you know, what we were getting from the corporate systems linking that up with personal data that we are tracking uh, or that's readily available out in the marketplace, as well as public data, things such as, you know, uh, government statistics, uh, Google data, et cetera. And when you combine these type of metrics, corporate data, personal data, and social data with public data, you really start painting a picture that was that told you something differently. And in this case, just a high-level example, we found out the reason why people were showing up late. Well, Google Maps tells us that most of the people who live in the neighborhood lived almost uh, you know 15 miles away, had to travel against traffic, um, mm. you know, was complaining on social media that they were missing their kids' uh, drop-off and pick-up times. And it's an amazing amount of information we found out about the employees that we had no idea about. You know, when you had a manager just kind of like, hey, these people are just showing up late, they they're, they're just want their overtime hours, et cetera. Well, the truth was far from it. And I think that type of insight really will start mm-hmm. changing behaviors of organizations. So much so in this organization, until they got those insights, say, maybe we need to move our plants. Maybe we need to change our work schedule hours to be more accommodating. Maybe we need to think about other programs that help uh, our employees um, you know, be more productive, um, given all these other factors that are outside the corporation. And I find that kind of uh, convergence, as I mentioned earlier, you know, really exciting because we'll be able to leverage this type of data going forward to the benefit uh, of, of an organization and their people. Thank you, Paul. It sounds like technology and social through social mm-hmm. channels and the awareness and the understanding of what, what the company was reading that was being posted by their people who were late to work added, oh my goodness, the H word, humanity. It, it humanized the people. The technology made the whole thing. We have exactly. to understand these are real people. They have real issues. They have families. They're in traffic. OMG, what can we do together collectively? How can we converge management and employees to get a better solution? I like that one. Chris Dunn, anything you want to add on this case study? I'm sure you have something to say. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll keep it quick. You know, going back to what Will said, um, you know, Will's, Will's examples are great. I, I think the contrast I want to make for everybody that's listening is you may say, you may, you may hear Will's example, and you may say to yourself, check, we're, we're doing social recruiting. But the vast majority of companies and recruiters um, who say they're doing social recruiting are not doing what Will described, which is mm-hmm. phenomenal. What, what the vast majority of companies are doing from a social recruiting standpoint is they've automated postings of their jobs. 
So mm-hmm. they are they are unloading every every job that's posted um, on the major social channels, and that's all the vast majority of companies are doing. So it's easy to like kid yourself that you're somewhere in Will's neighborhood. You know what Will mm-hmm. did is Will has curated you know a network. You know, and he's given his time to build the network of people, and now that network's responding to him. I mean, he, he can jump in here and respond to this, but that's very different than, you know, a very mediocre social social recruiting play, which is simply posting your jobs, which, by the way, that's that's a commodity these days. What, what right. Will's doing is something that every recruiter that has any type of specialty, you know, any type of specific focus should be spending that time curating that network. Vast majority of people are not. So I think that's the big contrast for leaders who might be listening to this and think they've, that they've got it handled. Most of you that say you've got it handled probably don't because what Will describes dramatically different than what, what most of your companies are doing. Absolutely, Chris. And, 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 Go ahead, Will, please. Yes. I was going to say, that is so spot on, and that's why I want to keep sharing these stories and the ways I'm using social in these, because I I want, and and when I speak at conferences, I say the same thing. Uh, When you just automate posting uh, as a recruiter on social and you just post your jobs out, you're treating a new medium the same way as the old medium. You're treating social as a job board, and it is not. Social is all about adding value. And if you're not a recruiter out there on Twitter, you know, posting interesting articles about your company, posting PR, uh, you know, related news releases, uh, posting things about yourself that make you interesting. Uh, if you're not posting, uh, you know, things in addition to jobs, I think the occasional job posting on social is relevant because once you've started to build, practically build that network and you right. have people, you may be able to take someone who's really passive and instantly turn them active with the right position at the right time. That's another thing is you've got social indicators that can tell you when the timing's right, when you should post someone out. And, and you're also absolutely correct on that proactive recruiting like this, it takes time to develop. But here's the great mm-hmm. thing about that is when you start putting the time in now, if you know the fact that for a fact that you are a tech recruiter, you hire, uh, you hire Java developers, majority, you know what I would be doing? I'd be out there joining some job developer groups, giving them resources, building relationships, buying pizza at their next uh, at their next uh, user group. I'd be mm-hmm. connecting with them on Twitter. I would be building this network so that a year, two years from now, I have such a vast network of Java developers that it, when I post a job on Java develop, development, they're sharing it for me because we're friends and I've built relationships with these people in that industry. Yeah. When you do that, you can h- fill jobs so much quicker because you're not starting the process of finding people all over again. You have this network of niche people who are exactly what you're looking for all the time. And you know each other. Will, you mean you're actually putting the human back in human resources? I'm going to stop right here because we're going to go to break. But I have a homework assignment for my guests. We're going to take a break of about a minute and a half and come back for the crystal ball segment when we talk about if we had this conversation five years from today, guys, Paul, Chris and Will, what would we be saying? Would we already have seen a major evolution accomplished, fait accompli? What would be next for HCM and HR? But part of what I want you to cover in the prediction segment, please, is who 
should HR be recruiting, or rather whom should HR be recruiting to be the next wave of people who will grasp what Will just described in terms of being human about HR, being human about socializing, being human about attracting the right people to what you're going to need down the road when your company needs them. That's a lot to chew on, I know. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I'm speaking today with... Yes, I am, with Paul Kana at Deloitte, with Will Staney at SAP and Chris Dunn at Kinetics. We're going to take a very quick break. Don't even think of touching whatever you're using to listen to us. And you want to come back and hear their predictions and who should be at the top of the recruiting list for HR. In other words, hold up the mirror and look and physician heal thyself and all that good stuff. We're going to go to break right now. We'll be right back. Brad, out. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network business models have a short shelf life today's reality given shifting technologies real-time information and collaboration across time zones competitive advantage increasingly resides in speed to market and in the cloud the bottom line Technology cycles will continue to shorten, making business planning cycles less realistic and strategies less tenable. You need to become a savvy innovator who looks ahead to the next technology trend and its applications to tomorrow's business and industry strategy. BizBuzz with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Biz Buzz with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Biz Buzz with Game Changers. Yes, now that the gentleman mentioned it, we are tweeting. We have quite a tweet stream going on here from Tom Flanagan from SAP underscore radio from Malcolm Kimberlin. A lot of people are tweeting at hashtag SAP radio. Go join the fun. I'm talking today to Paul Kana at Deloitte, Chris Dunn at Kinetics and HRCapitalist.com, Will Staney at Success Factors SAP. We're going into the crystal ball round predictions. If we had this conversation five years from today, OMG, 2019, really, Bonnie? Yes. What would we say? Would we have achieved this evolution we've been talking about, the impact of technology trends on evolving HCM, human capital and management, and the HR function across the board in companies of all sizes? Paul Kana, minute and a half, predictions, go. Um, you know, I think one of the predictions I was uh, thinking about is that, you know, we may not be talking about HR technology as a standalone topic as we're talking today. We're well on our way of talking through um, you know how this technology really starts getting ingrained with the the culture and the operation and the strategic vision of an organization. So I think the concept of HR, for the the larger part, will start to disappear because it gets so ingrained into everyday workings of an organization. It really takes a community to build a culture, and I think that the technology is moving us towards being closer as an, as individuals to the rest of the people that we work with and how we want to interact with the customers that we ultimately serve. Okay, thank you very much. And let's move to Chris Dunn at Kinetics. What do you see in your crystal ball, Chris? 
Hey, I think, you know, when, when we look at 2019, you know, did we, did we accomplish everything we wanted to with, with the technology that, that's available to us? I, I think it'll all come down really to, you know, for lack of a better word, the staffing of the HR organizations in question. So I think it'll all come down to what's in the DNA of the HR people who drove it in each company. And, you know, we may or may not be able to make some broad generalizations about that, but if we look at the winners, and if we look at the winners even at the enterprise level, the mid-market, even small company, it's all going to be driven by HR leaders and the people who work for them that don't fit the stereotype of what HR is now. And there's some very specific markers to, to what that is. We probably don't have time for them today, but it's going to be it's going to be a, a hit and miss thing. And you know, even if we say that we won, and the technology changed everything, we'll see cases where it hasn't, and it'll be driven by the wrong type of of HR leaders and the people who work for them in the in the seats. Thank you very much. And let's move to Will Staney at Success Factors SAP. Will, what do you see coming down the pike five years from today? Go. Yeah, I think we've been talking a lot about convergence today. I think it'll take about five years to really start seeing. And I think I'll, I'll, I'll explain with sort of a, let's say, a feature example uh, of, of HR technology working with maybe some of the business systems and technology. And this is an example of like a, you know, your, your business, like a company's business uh, or product fulfillment, you know, uh, data or systems, right? Talking and integrating with the recruiting system. So let's say an increase of supply orders or customer demand from a certain you know, store location or region alert can alert the recruiting system um, that there will be an increased need for headcount in that location to match that increased demand. And and this could happen one, two months before it even is needed, giving them plenty of time to hire a headcount needed to match that demand in advance. Things like that, I think, could be commonplace. These predictive analytics, these these these, these talking between different business uh, business systems to give those just-in-time, right-time information to enhance how we uh, provide value and and, and business alignment from uh, an HR perspective could be commonplace in five years, and I I really hope it is. And I think the kind of people also, and this is a separate subject, that we may be hiring into HR are people that typically never did before. I work in the tech industry, so I feel like we are a few years ahead of most HR organizations, and the kind of positions that I'm hiring into HR right now are Mm -hmm. things like content producers, video editors, because we as HR, as people-focused people, <laughs> right, um, we need to tell stories. We need to uh, energize employees. We need to build culture. And the, the, you can't do that through a text email anymore. You do that through video, through social, both internal social networks and external social networks. And the, the, the food that feeds that monster, monster is content. So content producers, people that can take, uh, you know, take a, a story and a message and tell it very quickly and video or graphics and things like that are going to be, I think, really important to not just HR but to most business functions. Very interesting. So these people are being hired externally into the company. Do you see any internal growth in terms of on-the-job training from other areas of a company, perhaps marketing, where they will be lured into the HR function, say, hey, you're a great video producer, let's go put that to work for HR. Will, any chance of that? Exactly. In fact, we're already doing things like that. So mm-hmm. every day we form closer and closer alliances with, um, you know, the, the social, um, you know, the corporate social team in, in marketing and are helping to, you know, HR and marketing come together to create um, sort of uh, 
programs and trainings for all employees globally on how to best utilize social for business. We're doing programs for um, uh, social selling. We're doing programs for other HR uh, practitioners. And we also have programs where you can be in, in, in marketing and then actually you can go work in HR for six months to try it out a new, a new type of role within the company. So we're doing more and more of that. Thank and you, Will. You know what? That, yes, go ahead, quick. Um, just real quick, I, I think the the theme that we're talking about here is a lot about engagement. That we'll continue to see um, uh, these applications and HR systems really um, start pushing the engagement model more. And we'll, you know, it goes back to the quote: "You really got to get people to believe to be able to do you know great things." Um, that yeah, I think we'll continue to see HR really being the the catalyst for those people to start getting that type of engagement. And we'll see applications follow suit. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Guess what, guys? I need a minute for my predictions. you got to give that to me. Tomorrow on Coffee Break with Game Changers, our long-running show. Been on the air over two years now, Wednesday, 8 a.m. Pacific. We're going to have another live program. The topic will be, so. speaking of social, social customer engagement. How does your company score? Special guests are Brent Leary at CRM Essentials, Dan Gingas at Discover, and Kai Petzelt at SAP. Thursday, we'll have another live show with Startup Focus with Game Changers another one of our theme series and next Tuesday biz buzz with game changers right here a live program we're going to look into manufacturing trends we're going to talk about automation on overdrive that sounds sexy to me I have some special thank yous Paul Kana Deloitte Chris Dung Kinetics and Will Staney SAP wonderful panel great thought leaders appreciate how you all played so well in the sandbox together love the interactions appreciated that shout out to Susan Walker for sponsoring this series at SAP Tom Flanagan, joined on Twitter by our own Malcolm Kimberlin today, Brad and the Business Channel team at Voice America World Talk Radio, and I have a call to action for all of you. You ready? Paul, you ready, Chris? You ready, Will? Fasten your seatbelts. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Don't wait. Do it today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham for Biz Buzz with Game Changers, presented by SAP. See you tomorrow on Coffee Break. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to BizBuzz with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again next Tuesday morning at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.